It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Jack Zario is out. Ron Rivera is now going to be running the defense, but how much different is it really going to look? That and much more coming up on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And welcome into this episode of Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. And don't forget that you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And you can continue the conversation with me by becoming a Locked On Commanders insider. Join the Lock Insider program. You'll get news, inside scoops, exclusive content delivered directly to your phone via text message, and then you get to have one-on-one conversations with me via text message. As always, I'm I'm excited to welcome new insiders to the group. Go to joinsubtext.com slash LockedOnCommanders to sign up today. I'm David Harrison on Twitter at DHarrison82, threads at DHarrison underscore 82, credential member of the media covering the Washington Commanders for CommanderCountry.com. I'm part of Sports Illustrated's Fan and Nation, and I'm here with you every Monday through Friday, along with our everydayers and everydayers, as always, I appreciate your continued support for the show. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. On today's episode of Locked On Commanders, we're going to rant about Ron talking about some things he talked about uh, at his press conference following the firing of Jack Del Rio in the day after. Uh, the loss to the Dallas Cowboys, including the coaching history of one Brent Wieselmeyer and what it means about the hiring practices going on in Washington. But first, before we get to that, everybody wants to know how different Ron Rivera's defense is going to be compared to what we saw with Jack Del Rio. And and the, the bottom line truth is, honestly, guys, none of us can really tell you, right? Like, I don't care how, how prestigious the media member, I don't care how famous the media member, how many Twitter followers they got. None of us can really tell you what a Ron Rivera defense is going to look like, especially week 13 against the Miami Dolphins, week 14 the uh, the following week, week 15, week 16, week 17, week 18. Obviously, there's a bye week in there, but none of us can really tell you. But what we can do is we can look at the history and kind of say, okay, this is what we might uh, see a little bit of, which is exactly what they do. If you're scouting a new head coach, we talked about this earlier in the season with this coaching staff because they're the first two staffs they face were brand new staffs on their team. The Arizona Cardinals have a new staff. The Denver Broncos have a new staff. And they all mentioned it. You go back and watch the last the last tape you have of them coaching, and that's what you kind of go off of. And then you just expect some unscouted looks. And that's where the benefit really kind of comes in for the Washington Commanders because no matter what Ron Rivera changes, it's going to be something that the Miami Dolphins don't get to prepare for. Now, they can go back to the tape of the last time Ron was calling plays, which is exactly what I did. But at the end of the day, nothing is going to be carbon copy. It's not going to be the exact same, right? So with that in mind, I'm going to tell you what I found as far as what could be different. And then we'll go from there. and We'll grow together uh, just like we always do on this on this program. So what? So with Ron Rivera's press conference, he refused to say anything about what's going to be different. Bottom line, he just would not give away schematics, approach, theologies, nothing. What he did say is that 
his opinions differ some in some areas than what Jack Del Rio's opinions were. Not that they butt heads or that they were arguing about defensive schemes or operations or anything like that. Just he's a different coach. Jack is a different coach. They have uh, different ways that they see certain things. So what are those certain things? Well, first of all, I want to point out some similarities to this situation and the last time Jack Del Rio, uh, Ron Rivera rather, took control of the defense as a head coach. He did this last time with the Carolina Panthers during actually a 24 to 17 loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on December 3rd, 2018. Now, before that, the first full game he called on defense was the next week against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, his defense had given up, including the game against the Buccaneers, his team had given up 52 points, 20 points, 30 points, and 24 points. That averages up to 31 points per game. The defensive collapse was stunning to all the Panthers fans, media members, everybody, just like the defensive collapse of this team is stunning now. And the commanders are currently averaging 29.2 points allowed per game. In the last four games, they have allowed an average of 30.5 games. So the last time Ron Rivera took control of his defense from his D coordinator, his defense over the span of four games, 31 points per game. This time, 30.5 points per game over the last four games. So very similar circumstances. The move was made after week 12 or after 12 weeks of 2018. It was made after week 12 in 2023. So even the timing of it is very, very similar. Creepy, certainly, possibly. But what were the results? Well, the next game, the first game that Ron Rivera was in control of the defense uh, completely was a loss. They lost the Carolina Panthers, lost to Cleveland Browns 26 to 20 in Cleveland. His defense gave up 238 yards passing and a touchdown pass to rookie quarterback Baker Mayfield. 116 yards were given up on the ground. Two touchdown runs were allowed and a third down conversion rate of 44%. That was a 32-yard improvement on the team's passing yards per game before Ron Rivera took over, about a three-yard per pass attempt more than before Ron Rivera took over, and a 1% improvement on the touchdown pass rate, no interceptions, which was normal for that year's Carolina Panthers. Another reason it was so uh, disappointing is a high lack of takeaways. Sound familiar? Sounds familiar. Uh, only one sack in that game against Cleveland Browns came from a defensive back. That was about a 1.2 sack uh, per game drop from their average before Ron Rivera took over their averaging just over two sacks per game before Rivera took control of the defense. Rivera's defense allowed 17.5 yards more than they were before the game and 1.3 rushing touchdowns more uh, than they were before the game. So statistically there were some differences, some improvements, some not so much improvements, but really not that big of a difference production wise schematically Carolina used the same defensive alignments that they used primarily all season long the most and they use them the most again, but there was about a 5% drop in each. So the most popular formation they used, I want to say it was a 4-2-5. They used it about 5% less than they had been leading up to that point. The second most popular 4-3-5, they used that about a 5% less. Um, but most for the most part, it was a four defensive, uh, a four down defensive lineman look. Though about 79% of the time, uh, the Carolina Panthers had four down linemen with Rivera. Similarly, before Rivera took control uh, of the defense, the biggest fluctuation was really in the amount of linebackers, defensive backs, the difference between two linebackers, three linebackers. We've seen that with this defense. They like to roll with two linebackers a whole lot. Ron Rivera did blitz 11% more of the time or 11% more in his first full game at the controls compared to what they were doing the season uh, before that, which is a significant increase. Uh, and they were in zone coverage about 14% more than they were leading into that situation. So if that trend continues, which it's not going to exactly like the math isn't going to translate, you know, spec for spec. But if the changes we see 
uh, from Will Ronover took control of the defense. Carolina are similar to what he's going to do here in Washington. Then you're going to see more four down linemen looks. Currently, the commanders are operating about 68% clip of their defensive plays have four down linemen. You might you might see that go up uh, just a little bit, probably 72, 74%, somewhere around there. Washington has been in zone 52% of the time, which is a, a, a drastic change in Jack Del Rio's own schematic philosophies. They have been in man coverage much more this year than they have ever before. Some of my insiders have pointed out uh, the irony or ridiculousness, I guess, rather, of literally shipping off a guy like William Jackson the third last year who is was a primary man corner before he came to Washington. So why he came in the first place was weird. Um, and then the season after you ship him off, you go to more man coverage, which is what his specialty was drafting a corner who came out of a mostly zone scheme and then putting him in a lot of man situations as he's struggling. Uh, Making it make sense. I don't know, but it is what it is. Washington has been in, in zone 52% of the time. I think that's going to rise. Uh, I think you're going to see a big spike in that again, going back to what Ron Rivera did. Uh, the last time he was operating a defense. The commanders have blitzed the 15th most this year. It's right about middle of the league. Uh, that's about 9.7 times per game. If we see an 11% increase uh, to that fifth most uh, uh, this season, uh, that would be 12.6 times per game, so about three times more per game moving forward, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're talking about the span of about 60 plays, adding three more blitzes in there could certainly be impactful. Uh, I watched the tape. I went back to 2018, the Carolina Panthers, Specifically, that first game with Ron Rivera at the helm, because, again, you know, 2019 Carolina Panthers tape certainly is going to look different. But when you talk about him taking a defense from a guy, you have the team you have. You can't go out there and draft new guys. I really wanted to focus in on that specific situation. Uh, I can't tell you it looked a whole lot different compared to what we've seen from a functional standpoint already. But the increase in pressure was certainly a good thing. Uh, An effective blitz forces the opposing quarterback, no matter how talented they are, to bring their eyes down quicker. And more more often. Um, so you want to definitely do that, especially against an offense like the Miami Dolphins. If you can get to a tongue by Loa's eyesight below the horizon, it's only going to help you uh, in the long run. But the zones require special awareness and communication, just like any other zone. So the zone in Carolina was the same as it is in Washington. That's been a problem all year long. So if these guys don't communicate better and that's really going to be the difference is can Ron Rivera get them to the point where they're able to communicate with each other better than they have been? Uh, if that happens, then maybe you'll see an improvement. But overall, functionally, schematically, I don't know if you're going to notice a huge difference on the field. Uh, we'll have to obviously take a look on Sunday when the Miami Dolphins head to FedEx. But on the continued development of the offense, my thoughts on the future of receiver Curtis Samuel are starting to shift a little bit. I'll tell you more about that why or about why coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Commander is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to make sure you have as many top-tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place for you to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn shows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. So thankfully, LinkedIn makes the process more intuitive, quick, and easy for you. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and even quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your jobs for free. 
Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. The holiday season is a time for joy, celebration, togetherness, and happiness. But the truth is, it's not those things for everyone. And even if it is, it can still be overwhelming sometimes trying to make sure all your friends and your family are covered while you also carve out some time to take care of yourself. In any case, it's natural to experience some stress and anxiety during this time of year. And if you're already dealing with stress and anxiety on a daily basis before the holidays, the holidays can make it feel even heavier. Therapy can help you learn coping mechanisms and help you set boundaries for your time so you don't give so much of yourself away that you lose time for yourself. If you've been thinking of giving therapy a try, get, get started with BetterHelp. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. If you don't click with your therapist for the first time, you can switch free of charge, no questions asked. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. Thanks again for making Locked On. Can manage your first listen or view today and every day. Every day, thank you again for coming through on a regular basis like you do. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Uh, time now to get into the next phase of our AAR episode. That's really what this is, is our AAR episode. Uh, but of course, it's a little bit different. I mentioned before, when the team is changing, we kind of have to change our coverage. Uh, what was supposed to happen this season, uh, the Washington Bears supposed to have one of the top 10, top eight, potentially top five defenses in the NFL. What's actually happened, arguably the worst defense in the NFL. Um, I've got an insider who says, is this a the, the a historically bad defense? In some ways it is. I'm going to tell you why later this week. So make sure if you're not an everyday or come back later on, I'm going to give you some interesting stats uh, that pertain to Sam Howell and what he's not achieving because of what's happening really on the defensive side of the ball. On the offensive side of the ball, though, there are some good things going. And I want to talk about this specifically from this game, but also from a season-long perspective and then kind of how it's shifting my opinion on what the future of Curtis Samuel with this team could be, and that is my sustain, which is Curtis Samuel involvement in the Washington Commanders offense. And when you kind of look at Curtis Samuel, he was a guy that we were kind of excited about early in the season because he looks like he fits the mold of a guy that the Kansas City Chiefs would be able to do a lot of good things with. He's got a little bit of Isaiah Pacheco in him. He's got a little bit of McCall Hardman in him. You know what I mean? He's a little bit tougher than a McCall Hardman, but he's a little bit faster than an Isaiah Pacheco is. Uh, things like that. Definitely more of a, a polished receiver than Isaiah Pacheco is. So some of those, that excitement, some games, games it showed up, some games it hasn't shown up, but it really showed up against the Dallas Cowboys. Nine catches, 100 yards, 11.1 yards per catch for Curtis Samuel on Thursday against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, but it's not just about the stats. So the stats are nice. You know what I mean? If you, if you have them in fantasy, you want to touch down on top of all that. But the stats are nice. But really what I wanted to do was kind of get into the nitty-gritty of what Curtis Samuel did and what he could have done even more um, if he's more of a focal point in this offense moving forward. So he played 43 snaps against the Dallas Cowboys on Thursday. And in those 43 snaps, he ran 29 routes. Uh, so the breakdown of it, he ran flat routes four times, stick routes five times, shallow crossers. He ran crossers. He ran post-corner variations, uh, post routes, in routes, slant and stop routes, screen routes, curl routes. He ran a dig as lined up in a running back position, and he ran, he ran fly routes. So that's basically telling you 
Curtis Samuel's route tree is very expansive. Curtis Samuel is not a one-trick pony. He's not a two-trick pony. He's not even a five-trick pony. This dude has got a repertoire of things he can do on the field. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say he's the most polished route runner in the world. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that his breakdown is the cleanest uh, of any receiver I've ever seen. His breaks in and out of cuts are, are, are super sharp, nothing like that, but he's very effective in what he does. And in the 29 routes that he ran, I counted 21 of them where I would consider him open at the point where Sam Howell could have thrown him the ball if he's at that point in progression or if Sam Howell makes the adjustment to say, I know what's coming up in our offense based on what the defense is showing me. I'm going to look for Curtis on these routes. And by by no means do I expect Sam Howell to look for Curtis Samuel 29 times a game. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm telling you is judge, just, just this last Thursday in Dallas Cowboys, Curtis Samuel was open and available for his quarterback 21 times out of the 29 times he ran a route. So again, Obviously, he's not open um, eight of the times. So his open percentage, 72% of the time, Curtis Samuel ran ran around against the Dallas Cowboys. He came open 75% of the time he was throwing the ball. He made the catch. So that's incredible numbers. His expanse, the the, the amount he uses, the route tree is very good. Um, So I would like to see Eric B. Enemy feature him a little bit more in his offense. I would like to see Sam Howell in certain looks, knowing what his receiver is capable of, start to look for him a little bit. Again, nine catches is great. I think six, seven catches per game uh, on a weekly basis minimum is really the floor for Curtis Samuel. If that can get rolling, then I start to look at Curtis Samuel as someone that no matter what is happening with the head coach situation, uh, I would like to see come back and maintain his his role within the offense. Because really, when you look at Curtis Samuel, there's nobody else on this commander's roster right now that can do all of the things that Curtis Samuel can do uh, as efficiently as he's doing them. Jahan Dotson certainly has his talent uh, and ability, but he's more of an outside guy. I think he's more uh, of that type of a dude. And I don't know if I want Jahan Dotson lining up in the backfields, running back per se, and taking snaps like that. So I really look at Curtis Samuel as having just a little bit of extra juice. Um, that first four of Terry McLaurin, Jahan Curtis, and Deami Brown, I really like that for some. I know Deami hasn't really done a whole lot to, to, to specifically impress, but I really like that group. And, you know, I don't, I don't mind what the veterans Byron Pringle and Jameson Crowder bring as well at the tail end, but I really think you need to keep that foursome intact no matter what happens with the coaching staff uh, moving forward because you can always use weapons that are versatile like what Curtis Samuel is doing. My improve, we're kind of going to go NFL mock draft style defense only uh, by demand. I've had a few people ask me, like, with now now that Jack Del Rio is not going to be in charge of the defense anymore, what does the draft scenario kind of look like? And that's hard to really put a nail in, so I'm not really – picking guys per se. But what I want to kind of go through is show you who the top three guys are according to PFF's board right now at each pick in the first three rounds for the Washington Commanders. So at number seven, when you look at the top three guys that are likely to be available right now, you're looking at UCLA edge, uh, Liatu Latu, Liatu Latu, I believe is how you say that, Illinois defensive lineman, Jerzon Newton and Penn State edge, Chop Robinson. Um, Three really good defensive linemen, two edge rushers. Uh, and defensive lineman, uh, Jerzon Newton, kind of a kind of a Deron Payne uh, type of guy. He was actually the top guy available on PFS board. Number 36, the pick you got from Chicago, top three available, Alabama corner, Terion Arnold, Utah edge, Jonah Ellis, Alabama edge, Chris Braswell. Number 39, the top three available, Utah edge, Jonah Ellis, Alabama edge, Chris Braswell. Again, Iowa State cornerback, TJ Tampa. So again, you drop down from 36 to 39. You still have some of the same players available. Number 71, you're looking at Michigan safety, Rod Moore, Clemson linebacker, Jeremiah Trotter Jr., NC State linebacker, Peyton Wilson, and then a number 100, Oklahoma linebacker, Danny Stutzman, Georgia defensive lineman, Nazir Stackhouse, 
Ohio State defensive lineman Michael Hall Jr. So what does that really mean when you break it all down? It looks like there are right now, and again, this will shift and we'll go over this exercise again in the future, but there are kind of zones here, right? If you really want to get another edge rusher or, or interior defensive lineman, you're really looking at number seven and number 36 and number 39. Somewhere in those first three picks, you need to go get that edge rusher because that's where this talent pool is really the richest. If you're looking at corner, you're looking at 36, you're looking at 39, you can get a corner there. If you want a safety, you're really looking at around 71. If you want linebacker, 71, 100, you can get a decent linebacker uh, in there somewhere without having to reach completely. So it kind of gives you an idea when you're working these mock drafts, right? If you're not really interested in getting a safety, maybe at 71, you go with an offensive lineman or you go with a tight end or or something else that you uh, covet in that position. So again, not a, not a really official, fully fleshed out mock draft, but more so looking at defensive positions and where the talent pool might rest come April. But again, it's going to shift uh, between now and then. So in progress reports is what we call them. And that's what it looks like right now on the defensive side of things. Our final segment of today's episode, ranting about Ron. What's up with the hiring of a high school coach to work in the National Football League. That's coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode of Locked On Commanders brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It is the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports because it's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, you pick two to six players with available stat lines and you pick whether those players are going to get more than or less than those stats. Then watch the game. Don't watch the game. And if you win, you uh, you get your money. And if, even if your team doesn't win, you can still get a victory. It's the most fun you can have winning up to 25 times your money this football season. On Sunday, I put in some selections in the Buccaneers game. And I went with quarterback Baker Mayfield to get over 10 and a half rushing yards. Kicker Chase McLaughlin to go over one and a half field goals made. Receiver Chris Godwin to get more than eight targets and Colts quarterback Gardner Minshew to have over two and a half rushing attempts. Three of those four came through. And because of the way prize picks works, I was able to make a small profit off of my wager, adding a little bit of action to the game. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Use the code locked on NFL in all lowercase for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that code locked on NFL in all lowercase for a first deposit match up to $100 at prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Prize Picks Daily Fantasy Sports Made Easy. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked On Commanders, ranting about Ron Rivera and what he had to say a little bit during his post-Dallas uh, Cowboys day after press conference, which was really nothing to do with the Dallas Cowboys and everything to do with the firing of Jack Del Rio, uh, now former defense coordinator of the Washington Commanders, but also the firing of defensive backs coach Brent, Brent Wieselmeyer, who was also fired with Jack Del Rio uh, on Friday. And one of the questions asked, to Ron Rivera was whether or not Jack Del Rio and Brent Bieselmeyer's prior connections 
led to them being fired at the same time. Ron Rivera to that question said, quote, no, I think again, just going through it. I think these were just independent as far as I'm concerned, just going through some of the things in my head that just felt if there was one thing that we needed to do was we needed to shake it up a little bit. And again, it's nothing that indicts whether they do or how they, whether what they do or how they do it. It's just that based on how we were playing, we just had to get something shaken up. So this is what I did. End quote. Um, you know, listen, I think at the end of the day, Ron or Jack Del Rio brought Brent Wieselmeyer onto his staff because he's the guy that he knows will do what Jack Del Rio wants to do. So he's Jack's guy. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, if you fire Jack Del Rio, you're then going to fire Jack Del Rio's guys. Like, you know, whoever is kind of a Jack Del Rio guy, you're going to, you're going to fire that guy. It doesn't mean that you hate each other or anything like that. But since then, a lot of people have been bringing up Brent Wieselmeyer's coaching history. And there has been this line drawn that some people, I would say a lot of people, but some people at least, um, enough that it got my attention, believe that Brent Wieselmeyer basically went from high school to the NFL coaching in Washington. And that's not necessarily the case. So I'm going to lay this out for you. It's not going to blow you away either. I'll just tell you right up front, right? But defensive back coach Brent Wieselmeyer, not just a high school coach. He did coach high school from 1999 to 2012. After 2012, he was hired as the assistant linebacker coach with the Oakland Raiders, and he was there from 2015-2017. Jack Del Rio was the head coach at that time. After Jack Del Rio was no longer the head coach of the Raiders, he went on, uh, Brent Wieselmeyer, that is, went on to be an offensive analyst with the Kansas Jayhawks in 2018. And then he did go back to high school for a year, coaching the Santa Margarita Catholic High School in 2019 and 2020. Jack Del Rio was hired in Washington to be the defensive coordinator. He hired Brent Wieselmeyer at the time to be an assistant defensive backs coach slash nickel coach. And then when Chris Harris was hired away to the Tennessee Titans, Brent Wieselmeyer became the full-time defensive backs coach. So that is his coaching history. So yes, he's got high school coaching in there, but he also had NFL experience before he came to Washington. He had collegiate experience before he came to Washington as well. Not a lot. You know what I mean? Four years total between the two NFL, the one NFL stop and the collegiate stop. But it's still, it's it's not, you know what I mean? Like Jack didn't like pull his, his drinking buddy up from the high school ranks and say, hey, dude, come work in the NFL for a few years. I'll hook you up with a fat check. Okay, that's not exactly what happened. Um, now, did he do an amazing job coaching up the defensive backs? I mean, the answer is obvious. No, he, he obviously didn't. Chris Harris did a much better job, I think, last year alone. The fact that Benjamin St. Juice trained all training camp, all preseason to be a nickel, and then because of what happened, William Jackson had to shift outside at the drop of a hat and was actually able to grow within that, that, that position throughout the year really showed the strength of Chris Harris. Um, unfortunately, I mean, you know, I, the, I can only put it on Jack Del Rio that he came into the offseason and basically told Ron, hey, I'm moving Ben back into the slot. We need another outside corner. That's where you get the drafting of Emmanuel Forbes from. Um, and it did work. You know what I mean? Like Emmanuel Forbes. Uh, I mean, we can say that he's performed better. Sure. Has he developed as a as a player? I can't sit here and tell you that watching Emmanuel Forbes week one, watching Emmanuel Forbes and Dallas Cowboys, I've seen his ability grow. What I can say I've seen is the good side of what he does has become more consistent. And that's not invaluable. That's certainly valuable. But I can't look at him the way that I looked at Benjamin St. Juice last year and say, man, this dude has come uh, a long way. So that that is disappointing in and of itself, because, uh, you know, again, Emmanuel Forbes is a, is a grown man. He's a young man, but he's a grown man. He's responsible to a certain extent. But at the same time, young players, especially like he is not responsible for his own growth. That's where the coaches come in and they weren't getting uh, the job done. Quan Martin, the same thing. I don't look at Quan Martin's 
lack of growth in his rookie season and say, man, Quan Martin, what are you doing out there? I look at the coaches and say that now Quan or Emmanuel was like a five-year veteran or, or whatever. Um, and, and they were making some of these mistakes and, and, you know, depending on the coaching and all that stuff, like, okay, got that. Like, I don't look at Kendall Fuller. If Kendall Fuller has a bad game. I don't look at Brett Bieselmeyer and say, coach, what are you doing? That's Kendall Fuller. He knows what to do at this point in the game. So that, hopefully that makes sense a little bit. So obviously the firing was earned um, and deserved, you know, but I did want to at least address the elephant in the room that Brent Bieselmeyer didn't just come from high school to the NFL. Um, on if the change, uh, the decision to fire Jack Del Rio and Brent Bieselmeyer happened sporadically after Thanksgiving, or if it was something that has grown. Uh, Ron Rivera did admit that basically it was something that has been kind of snowballing is the, the term that he kept using. But yes, it's something that he's been thinking about for a little while now. So really that just kind of goes into like the media literacy of this whole thing. We would love if head coaches, GMs, players just told us the flat out truth every single time we ask him a question. But you guys know we've been asking Ron Rivera if he's thinking about making staff changes for weeks now. Every time he shuts it down, he says, no, that's not what I'm thinking about doing. Da, 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 da. The truth of the matter is, I mean, obviously, he just said this is something I've been thinking about for a little while. So, yes, he has been thinking about making staff changes. Of course, he's been thinking about making staff changes. He's just not going to admit it for you know X amount of reasons. You can be upset about it. It is. It's part of the business is what it is. He understands that we have to ask the question. We understand why he's going to lie to us, because if he goes out there and says, you know, in week nine, yes, I'm thinking about firing Jack Del Rio. I don't see how that's going to make the situation better, to be quite honest with you, because Jack understands. I'm sure those conversations were had internally of, hey, dude, we got to get this fixed or else the axe is going to fall. So that being said, uh, just because you don't hear somebody talking about potential head coaching changes doesn't mean it's not being discussed, doesn't mean it's not being thought about. Uh, all we can do is go with what we know and react to that as it comes. And we will continue doing that here on Locked On Commanders tomorrow. Coming up, uh, insiders, it is not mailbag time because it is not Wednesday, but I am going to have an episode for you. I'm going to do a little bit of dives into some second-year players. I'm going to look at Jahan Dotson uh, from his rookie year to now. I'm going to look at uh, some of the things from Sam Howell earlier in the season to now, and I do plan on looking at some of the defensive players and kind of picking out where uh, maybe some growth has come in over the last year. In the meantime, you got questions or comments, throw them into the YouTube comment section, hit me on Twitter, or send them to me directly via text. By going to joinsubtext.com slash locked on commanders, become a lock insider. Uh, we have a great time uh, doing all those things. Do some bonus content and some news as soon as it drops, unless I'm flying, uh, in which case you're going to get it late. As always, thank you for making locked on commanders your first listen of the day every day. Every day is thank you for coming through like you do. Thanks so much for making me a part of your day, part of your routine. And until we speak again, please, if you're out and about, be safe, be kind. I'll see you next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.